It is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. So, you know, I, I want to, before we started recording, we were talking about some things. So, uh, just want to bring up the nefarious movie again. I doubt that it's still playing in theaters, but live streaming and DVD, however you get movies, it is very, very powerful movie. Watch it. Please watch it. Uh, it's called Nefarious. Steve Dace wrote a book called Nefarious Plot, and they made a movie about it. It sounds creepy. There's a lot of women, I say a lot, I've heard of a few, who just don't want to see a movie like that because it freaks them out. But it is, it is, everybody should see it, and you should definitely try to get any young person that is dabbling in the dark side. They should see it. Uh, tell them it's a scary movie. It's scary. Oh, it's so, so scary. It'll freak you out. You know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll be interested in it and they'll watch it. Uh, now, what's... Do you know, now that's Steve Dace wrote the book. The movie is nefarious. Now, there's another person who wrote a book, and you may know him. I know you, you would, uh, Jonathan Kahn. Somebody gave me the Harbinger book years ago. Who did that? Did you give it to me? Okay. Okay, so Jonathan Kahn... He, he wrote Harbinger, and he, was, he became very well known for that. Became very well known for that. Well, he has written several other books. That's the only one I've ever read. And he was kind of tying in, I think it was 9-11 with, with uh, things going on in Israel. It, it was you that gave me the book, What America Has Done to Israel, or something like that. So it, it showed... If you, if how things matched up as far as getting a blessing or a cursing and how we treat Israel. Okay, so Jonathan Kahn, it, that book that he wrote, he never came out and said if it was for real as far as that person who showed up. So I look at it as a fictional book of something that could happen and if it did happen, that's what would be said. And it was very, very good. One of those books is really hard to put down. It's like a thriller. All right, well, he has come out, his latest book that came out last year is called The Return of the Gods. It, I, uh, my book is ready to be picked up at Scripture Truth, and i got to get down there and get it, but I don't know when I'm going to do that. But the book is about a lot of what we see in the Bible that the nation of Israel started to get into as far as idolatry and how why God was so adamant in teaching the nation of Israel to stay away from idols, stay away. And what has happened in America goes right along with that nefarious movie. This book 
talks about how we have pushed, when, when you push God out, something's ready to fill the void, and that something is the dark side. Satan and his demons are ready to fill the void. So that book shows why we are, as a country, why we are so into not caring for our elderly, how they're just um, in the way and we just not, you know, we need to not worry about them anymore. Assisted suicide for the elderly, how we want to kill our little babies, and all kinds of things like that. It all goes back to an ancient god or goddess that the nation of Israel was supposed to stay away from. Now, we in this country, you know, we're going through Deuteronomy, and we, so far we've already covered all of those things and how Moses is so into telling the people and warning them about all this stuff. And here we are going through it, and it's needed today just, it's just as much as it was back then. It's needed for us today in this country. So somebody might say, why are y'all going through Deuteronomy on Wednesday nights? Like, have you read it? You should read it. It applies perfectly with what we're doing in this country right now. We have gone back to worshiping little g gods. And if you see, oh, one of the goddesses, uh, if you go back and study, this goddess was able to change a man to a woman and a woman to a man. That's part of that book, talking about that particular goddess. <clears throat> so, if you see anything like that going, on, going around, oh yeah, it already has. It, it's... Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to going through that one. Okay, so you should be at Deuteronomy 18, and we left off a couple weeks ago uh, at 14, so we're getting ready to start up with 15. And this is, this is a uh, prophecy, a messianic prophecy, that Moses is speaking so we're going to read, and then we're going to go to the New Testament and show where uh, one of the disciples brought this to the attention of some of the uh, elite of their day. All right. So we, we, have, we were talking about all these idolatrous practices and now Moses is, is going to do this amazing prophecy. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet. Notice it's capital P, prophet. From the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. This is Moses talking. <clears throat> Unto him ye shall hearken, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, 
saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet, again, capital P, prophet, from among their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put... So, God is talking to Moses. This prophet is going to be like Moses. Um, remember the, that book... Um, Miss Barbara, the one that you had, my mother, that book that had, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but I would love to read it again. So it was making a case for Christ. It wasn't the case for Christ. It was a different book. It was a de- person, person of interest. So it was a detective. It was a former detective who used to work on cold cases, and he used the same way that he would try to solve a cold case, he applied all of that to trying to prove Jesus was who he said he was. So he had no body, he had no murder weapon, you know, the things he didn't have, just like in a cold case, and he started putting all this information together, just piling up the evidence. And part of that book showed different people in the Bible and how if you could make a list of things that Elijah did. Remember, I read it in church one Sunday morning. I just read off everything. The, the, it was Elijah, but I didn't tell anybody that said Elijah. And then I read all the things about Elijah, and I said, who am I talking about? And everybody said, Jesus. I'm like, no, I'm talking about Elijah. And then I read off King David, all the things about him. I said, who is that talking about? Jesus. No, that's King David. And, and it, same thing with Moses. You can do the same thing with Joseph. You can do several people in the Bible where you can read all things about them that match up perfectly with what Jesus did. So, like unto thee. Now, the people of Israel think... You can go over to Israel right now and find a Jew who is very into his Judaism, and he's very devout in it, and he is going to have so much honor and respect for Moses. Same thing with David, Elijah, but he's... Moses and then Abraham will be top on his list. So anything that Moses said, he's going to want that. He's going to want to hold on to that. So when God says to Moses, um, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him." Uh, you know, that whole story that you read in the Gospels, you try to, 
you know, it's, it's hard for our human minds to figure it out, but we see Jesus as a little tiny baby, so vulnerable. Then we see him as a little boy at 12 years old, sitting with all of the teachers, you know, where his, his family and all of the people from his area had traveled there. Uh, they all left to go back home, but Jesus stayed behind. And he was with all of those learned people, and he was listening to them, and they were listening to him. And they were amazed at this 12-year-old. And it was a 12-year-old who was supposed to be obedient to his parents. And he was obedient. When, when Mary and Joseph went back, I can't remember if that was the place where... Uh, Joseph and I was looking where it, Mary would say, your, your father and I have come to you know, find you. Why have you done this? But he ended up saying, well, you should know that I have to do my father's business. Well, there's another place where the Bible says, correctly says, the King James Bible says, uh, Joseph and his mother... Well, in new translations, it says uh, his father and his mother. But it's more accurate to say Joseph and his mother because Jesus' real father is the father in heaven. So <laughs> I was listening to the Unashamed podcast because they're in Luke right now. And Jace was talking about it and how... Can you imagine Mary telling Jesus, now, eat your spaghetti. <laughs> and Jesus could have said, no. Do you know who you're talking to? I created all of this. If I don't want to eat my spaghetti, I'm not going to. But Jesus would have never done that. He would have been like, yes, ma'am. And he would have ate his spaghetti. Can you imagine? The one who created all was obedient to his parents on this earth, his earthly parents. And that's it, one of the Ten Commandments, to honor your mother and your father. So, of course, Jesus would have, would, have, would have done that, honor his mother, his earthly father and his mother. All right, let's go to, before we finish up the, this part of 18, Go, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. And you can um, keep your place in Deuteronomy because we'll be going right back there. All right, Acts chapter 3, starting with uh, verse 12. And just to set this up, now this is Peter, what, what we call Peter's second sermon. And the first sermon really, how, does it, how did it, uh, it said they were, they were really touched, their hearts were touched. They, they really felt bad about what they had done. So in the first sermon, which is at the last part of chapter 2, it, it, some people will say that was more toward each individual, but it was still, Peter was talking to his people in Israel. 
And the same thing with, with this, he's still talking to his people Israel, but some would say that this is more national where the other one was more personal. But I don't really see the wording that would, that would support that as far as he's, not, he's still saying ye in this sermon like he did in the first one. So that means he's talking to each and every person. So just because somebody real smart that came out with a reference Bible put something in their Bible, we don't have to believe all, believe all that. Um, we got to really think about it on your own and pray and ask that the Holy Spirit will teach you and then be very willing to be corrected. So, to, just, all right, so this is the lame man who was sitting at the gate beautiful and he uh, was wanting money. And when Peter and John saw him, he thought that they were going to give him money because they, they looked at him, and he's like, oh, good. And, he, and they said, look, we don't have any money for you, but uh, tell you what, take up, you know, get up and, you know, just go away. But he, he you know, and he, was, and he was able to. He was able to get up. He was miraculously healed in a moment, and he was so happy about it that he held on to them. He didn't want to leave them, and he wanted what they had. And when everybody started hearing about all of this, people were coming from every direction. And Peter, this is verse 12, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. He's like, why are you, why are you so, why are you looking at us? Don't look at us. Then he says, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son, Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. Pilate, was, he, Pilate wanted to let him go, but you wouldn't let him. Now notice that when you, if you was to do a miracle like Peter and John did to this man, that everybody's going to come running and they, all their attention is either going to be on the man who got healed or on the people who did the miracle. And Peter handled it exactly the way any of us should handle it, whether we get healed of something or whether we prayed over somebody and they get healed, when somebody comes running and wants to meet us and talk to us about this amazing miracle, we tell them about Jesus right away. That's what Peter's doing. He's like, why are you marveling over what we did? We get this power from the Holy Ghost. From Jesus. Jesus left here so the Holy Ghost can come down. But just notice how quick Peter gets the focus on Jesus. And that's a lesson for us today. We should always be ready to point people to Jesus right away. But ye denied the, the Holy One and the just. Notice the capital J the capital H and, and O of Holy One and the capital J of Just, 
and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before hath had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Notice their sins need to be blotted out. What blots out sin? The blood. Just think about the blood being shed and then taking blood and covering. They would have blotted blood on the doorpost and the lintel back in Egypt on the, on the Passover night. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now here's the verse. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. So he's, this is Peter quoting what was said in Deuteronomy by Moses. So here it is in the New Testament being brought up. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold, foretold of these days. None of them had an excuse. They all knew these very things that he was saying to them. You know, today, if I preach these things or have a Bible study on these things, a lot of people may not know anything about any of this stuff. But they knew it. As soon as he started to talk, uh, what he, what's in verse 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, a pro they knew exactly what he was talking about. They're like, oh yeah, he did say that. Mm. Well, some of them thought, John the Baptist, are you that prophet? And he was like, no. And they were just wondering who it, you know, who it could be. And the one that they should have recognized, they didn't. They were willing to give that title to, to others, but the very one that he didn't come the right way. They were expecting something different. They were expecting somebody to come that was mean and tough and ready to take things back. And then he was going to sit on the throne of David. And Jesus wasn't doing any of those things. <clears throat> Ye are 
this is 25, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed. Now, Lois, you showed me the seeds, but it's the one seed that the promise comes through. So, the two seeds of Abraham, you had the way of the law, Ishmael, and then you had Isaac. <clears throat> and too many people get caught up in trying to keep the law and going that route. It's, it's, notice you'll see the word seeds, and then you'll see seed singular. And when you see seed singular, it's talking about Jesus is the only way. Um, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. <clears throat> another, another place in, in our Bibles... Joseph can help me with the, where it is. Um, put him on the spot here, see if he remembers. Um, talking about the uh, straight is the gate. What? Come, come here. Matthew 7? Okay, it says straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Now, newer versions of the Bible will say, it probably doesn't even say straight is the gate, but something like that. And then it says, instead of, they take narrow out and they put in either hard or difficult. So he pointed that out to me. He said, salvation's easy. Why are they putting hard and difficult in the newer versions of the Bible? It, now it's very narrow. It is very narrow. And that might seem to be hard, but if you know Jesus, that's the narrow way. He is the door, and you're only going through that one door to get to God, to get to the Heavenly Father. So you said Matthew 7, and 13 and 14 is the verse, according to Joseph over here. We, we were sitting in the kitchen one night talking about a bunch of different stuff, I think I ended up going to sleep around 1 o'clock, 1 a.m. So now let's turn back to where we were in Deuteronomy, and we'll finish up chapter 18. So we're at verse 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other little g-gods, even that prophet shall die. So there's going to be prophets, and there's going to be people who say they're prophets. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken, when a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing 
follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. So if, when you go back and look at uh, prophets, true prophets in the Bible, a lot of times they'll be speaking about something that has happened in the past, and then they'll talk about something that's going to happen soon. And then those things happen, and you, you know that they're speaking the truth because there's no way they could have known it. And then they'll speak of something that's going to happen a long time. So you can take a prophet like Isaiah, and he will prophesy something some of those things that he prophesied have already come to pass. Many, most of them have come to pass, but then there's other things that we're still waiting on to come to pass. Now, there are people out there that think that everything has already come to pass in the Bible. Everything. Uh, they're called preterists. And they'll tell you, anytime you find something that you know points to the future, they will bring up something that has already happened and say, that's talking about this here. Uh, Antichrist. You can, you can show where Antichrist is coming in the future, and they'll show you in history Antiochus Epiphanes, and I, I bring that up because it's just one that several years ago, when I was going through the book of Daniel and teaching it at the jail, that just blew me away. And it just really stuck in my head. But you can go back to Alexander the Great, which is a real fact of history. You know, it's amazing how the Bible has got so many things in it, talk, and have people by name, and dates, months and days and years. All of those things, if you were just telling a story, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't include that. Uh, when you listen to somebody tell you something, if you pay very uh, law enforcement, they have been trained how to listen to a story, and when you leave out a lot of facts, like persons, you know, actual proper names and dates and street addresses and all that, and you're just rattling off a bunch of stuff, like they're making all this up. The Bible, when you read it, you see all of those little details that you might say, "Well, I don't need to know that." Well, it's just giving, uh, what's the word? It's just, it's giving credibility to the story, what's being written, because you have all of those details. The Bible, the prophets, all right, so, so you can go to Antiochus Epiphanes in history and see that he took a pig into the temple and sacrificed it, a pig. So he desecrated the temple. That happened in the past. He was one of the people who would have came from Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire, because when Alexander the Great died, it was split up into four, and Antiochus Epiphanes came out of one of those four. So when you read through Daniel and you see the, the little horns, the four horns, and then the one little horn that was out of the one as you read through there, you'll see it. But what you'll see is the one little horn came out of Grecian Empire, but the real Antichrist in the future 
will come from the ten, not the four. And you've got to pick up on those little things so that you can rightly divide the word of truth. So when someone tells you, no, 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 that's the Antichrist, that was way back here, and they'll give you this story and all the stuff that happened, and you would go, wow, that's exactly what Revelation is talking about. Huh, you might be right. And then they're, they think they're all tough stuff because they convinced you. Well, I've had those people uh, try to convince me. And knowing what Daniel says and that one little detail, I will take them back to the Bible and say, well, you're talking about this one, but what about this one that comes from the Ten Kingdoms? And they're like, oh. And then they don't want to talk to me anymore. And three months later, I'm hearing them tell the same story to somebody else. That's scary. They know the truth. They've been proven. And they're just bent on wanting to convince others that this... Uh, they ha so when you get into a denomination and you're more concerned about a denomination and what they believe than what the Bible really says, that's dangerous ground. And you've got to get into the Word for yourself. All right. So... Uh, we got plenty of false prophets that have gone through. Now, just because somebody in future or present time, just because somebody thinks something doesn't mean they're a false prophet if they didn't get it right. When somebody comes and says, Thus saith the Lord, and this is going to happen, God told me this, and it doesn't come to, come to pass, then they're a false prophet. But reading the Word of God and coming to a conclusion and go, oh, I think that because of this and this and this, I bet you that this is going to happen. And then they die. Let's say they, they were just a really good Bible teacher from 100 years ago. And they think they've got something figured out. And they're going, okay, so that means... You know, a thousand years is like a day, and a day like a thousand years. So once we get to 6,000 years after the earth, you know, I bet that's when the rapture is going to happen, and then we're going to have this, the millennial kingdom will be the 7,000th year. And it all makes sense, and it's like, oh, yeah. Okay, that person dies, and then now we've already gotten past that time, and it didn't happen so are you going to discount everything they say because of that one thing? I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> there are plenty of people that are good Bible teachers that I can, throw, I, can, I can throw every one of them out and say, don't listen to them because they did this wrong. Or they, they got caught doing this. They were a sinner. They were you know, this, that, and the other. I can bring up things that I can say, don't listen to any of them. But you know what? I can show you where King David did some rotten stuff and tell you, I don't think I'd read any of these psalms that he did because he was a bad dude. I can show you where Paul 
did some really bad stuff to the early Christian church when he was Saul of Tarsus. I, I, we need to throw out everything he wrote. Is that good advice? All of us have fallen short. Every one of us. And if you, if you have that kind of mindset, you'll discount anything and everybody. But we all got to realize that we're all fallen people that need Jesus. And he can use people as sinful as David, as sinful as Paul, as sinful as me. That's amazing that he can use me. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for the people that you use to write your word. Father, you communicated with all these people. You had a relationship. And Father, they wrote things that we hold dear to us today. That we read your word. We teach your word. We want to uh, pass it on to the next generation. And Father, we see all the warnings in your word, but yet we see mankind not learn. And Father, we are here trying to do the things that you've called us to do, to carry on your word. And Father, we just ask that you would continue to give us the strength that we need to be able to touch as many souls as we can. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who, when we do go out and do things for you, and we pray for miracles and we pray for people that when people see your mighty touch and when they come trying to find out what we have, that we are very quick to point them to your dear Son. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.